Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. At least it's not canceled. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I'm joined, as I am always joined by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We're going to be talking about the news from the week, including the sequel to The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild being delayed. And then on Thursday, we've got bonus Kirby content. That's right. We are ranking all the Kirby copy abilities in Super Smash Brothers Ultimate with special guest Greg Smith. But in the meantime, Mark, how you doing? I'm doing great. I thought... That Kirby, I mean, it's, it's not actually true. It seemed like Kirby Month was over. Seemed that way. Yeah, but we lied. Uh-huh. We, we've known for a while that yep. Kirby Month was not going to be over. And I feel great about it. I was listening to the soundtrack from Kirby in the Forgotten Land today. Like, Kirby Month continues. You cannot end Kirby Month. It refuses. It, it, what is the rest of this podcast but Kirby Month persisting? <laughs> Such an eloquently said. <laughs> Uh, here's, I guess, another thing that our podcast is the Sonic Forces borrowing program. Uh, would you like to participate in it? Would you like to borrow my copy of Sonic Forces? You can try by getting on a list. All you got to do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at gmail.com and give us a mailing address where we can send you my copy of Sonic Forces. You play the game for as long as you want or not. You send it back. I pay for postage both ways. There may be a copy of Untitled Goose Game in there. Um, and that's that's it. It's the perfect program. Uh, we did recently get an, an email from uh, Wesley, uh, and he said, I absolutely uh, love y'all's show. I listen to it every day at work. I would love to borrow that copy of Sonic Forces. Uh, Wesley, you're on the list. You're on the list. You're on the list. You made it. Uh, and also, this isn't... I, other people have emailed and they've gone on the list and we've not shouted them out specifically. But I just wanted Wesley to know, you're on the list. If you are questioning it at all. Also, Patrick, you make such a good point, which is that when when the Sonic this copy of Sonic Forces is in your home or wherever we're mailing it, yeah, you can do whatever you want with it. Whatever you want. Play or not play. Yeah, whatever. You, you could set it up with a bunch of other Switch game cards and like do dominoes with it. You could... I mean, I ask you not to destroy it, but like, if you need to, like, you know, mark it with something, like, you could do that. You could, yeah. So just there something no to keep rules. in mind: no if you're rules. if you're on the fence because you're like, I, are there too many rules to this program? Like, are we, am I gonna open up this envelope that has a copy of Sonic Forces and also get like a ten volume? set of rules right that is, what i can do that is not the case there's no. no homework associated here the only rule is enjoy yourself and send it back and send it back here's another thing you can do you can leave us a five-star review on apple podcasts spotify or anywhere that you get your podcast we appreciate it so much uh, it helps people find the show patrick and i really enjoy reading them if you leave us a five-star review on apple Podcasts, we can and in the u.s apple podcast store we can see it we will give you a shout out. If you leave it anywhere else, let us know. We can't see it, but we still want to give you a shout out. It's a thank you. Yes. Right? The shout out is a thank you. Thank yous in the modern day have been replaced with shout outs. Last week, we gave a shout out, a thank you, to 
BGHHNVGH for leaving us a five-star review, which they used to tell us that Waddle Dees are often bribed into being enemies of Kirby. This was a question that had come up probably like a month ago at this point. In a rare move, BGHHNVGH updated their review after Tuesday's episode to include that Kirby is canonically eight inches tall. Which I I, I gotta say, uh, I I don't, that like rocks my world a little bit. Eight inches tall? I know. I I could have sworn he was 26 inches. (laughs) In fact, we did. Yes. Um, So, but yeah, so on last Tuesday's episode, we were trying to guess what Kirby's height is. And uh, so thank you, BGHHNVGH, for letting us know through that review um, I think it also came up on Thursday show because we found out this information on Tuesday when we were recording an episode of Super NPC Radio, which you can go check out. Uh, that specific show is part of Patreon, but they but put can, it up on their yes. free feed. Right. And it's the free feed for video games, a comedy show. Um, so if you go and check out that uh, recent episode, Mark and I are both on it talking about Kirby with former guests on the show, Connor McCabe, um, host of the Call Me By Your Game podcast, and uh, and uh, Jeremy Schmidt. So uh, it's a super fun time and a good listen. I recommend checking it out. And you do not have to engage in a dialogue with us in your reviews if you don't want to. Right. That That's gravy. We like it. Uh, and if you want to you know, call us out on something that we uh, don't know or a question that we ask, like, that's great. Uh, but you need not. That's not a pressure that she should be put upon you. Absolutely. Uh, also, last week, I speculated that maybe the Nintendo Wii and DSi shops were offline because of, potent, you know, like security issues, basically saying that they're probably running on really legacy software. And so maybe Nintendo found a vulnerability or something. And that's why they took it offline. Um, as far as I know, we've had no update from Nintendo since then. But listener at Palsy Pace tweeted at us saying, quote, as to the maintenance on the Nintendo legacy servers, Windows Server... 200, 2008 R2 support officially ended this or last month. It might simply be that they had to migrate operations to a n- new server. Hmm, I understand uh, all of that. <laughs> but that's a good point. Maybe it's not like security vulnerability specifically. Maybe it's just like they were running on some software that's not supported anymore. And so they have to migrate to new servers. Uh, that makes perfect sense to me. Mark, let's get into what we've been playing this week. I continue to play Kirby in the Forgotten Land. Mark, you have finished the game. Yeah, so when we recorded Thursday's episode, I had not finished, but this weekend I did finish the game. Finished in scare quotes a little bit because there's I be- a lot of post game content. Yeah, here. yeah, yeah, there is a surprising amount. Like I finished the final boss. Felt good about that, but yeah, absolutely. A lot more opens up after the fact that I wasn't really expecting. Yeah, and I don't want to get into it too much because it feels like spoilery territory, but I think it's good to note, like, yeah, when you finish the game, when you beat the final boss, there's a lot more stuff you can do. There's a lot more upgrading you can do. Um, There are more, uh, there's another, at least one more uh, fighting tournament to do in the Coliseum. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, there's a lot to do, um, and 
yeah, I did. I I expect to keep going back to this for um, a while. I was gonna ask about that. What is your relationship with like post game content in general? Ooh, uh, I like it. Um, I it's it's definitely uh, something that I dip into and then usually fall off of before I complete. Um, there is like one mode in this uh, in uh, Kirby and the Forgotten Land in particular that I'm thinking of that's a little bit more lengthy, is multiple levels kind of stitched together that I uh, what am enjoying, but I probably won't finish just because I, I feel like I'll run out of steam and we got other games coming out this week. Um, but yeah, like generally speaking, I like post game content. I what, like, what about you? Yeah, I feel the same way. We're like, I like the idea of post game content. But I hardly ever actually like fully engage with it. Yeah. Partly because I feel like when I hit credits on a game, like it's this weird like catharsis moment where it's like, oh yeah, like I feel like I've had my experience with it. Even if I really enjoyed it, rarely am I like, oh, I'm going to really dig into this post content just because there's so much other stuff to turn my attention to. Yeah. Well, and I mean, for, for me, it can really depend on like, if there is something like queued up ready for me to play next. Right. Um, or if like, I don't know, sometimes I also like get the bug in my brain where I'm like, I'm going to do everything this game has to offer. Um, and that's not how I feel about Kirby. I like the game a lot. Um, but you know, there are challenges that as I, th- there was one in particular, um, uh, one of the uh, challenges where it, with the upgraded like boomerang thing where you're reflecting them off of uh, like uh, these angled surfaces that I couldn't figure out immediately and was like, okay, I'm just never going to do this. Um, and I think like that's, that's fine. Um, that, that, that's just uh, part of the game that will forever be inaccessible to me. Absolutely. Uh, and then I, I spent a little time Mark this weekend playing uh, the, uh, Nintendo Switch Online, Nintendo 64. Um, I didn't get a chance to check out uh, F-Zero X when um, it originally came out, uh, so I put a little time into it there. Um, I don't know that I have too much more to offer um, from, from what you said, but, man, it really is... Uh, it really does look bad. Uh, like, <laughs> it does, doesn't it? You, you, you mentioned that, like, you know, it, it looks like butt, and I think you're right. Um, and it's just... It's amazing to me how, like, the step down from the uh uh the mode 7 graphics in the original on the super nes like mode 7 and sprites like that's all it is and there's something so like pure about that concept that like it just works um and like then when you see it all rendered in like really primitive 3d um yeah it's just like you're seeing all this like pop in on your vehicle and you're like what why can't i see the windows like immediately when it appears i don't know it's it's all um it's all tough, and I'm not very good at it, so I, I'm, I'm not really going to go back to it. That's kind of how I felt when uh, I when Episode One Racer was like the pod racing game, yeah. The like remastered or version was released on Switch, where I was like really excited to check it out. But even in those like upres graphics, it almost just looked worse. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it's there are. Like cleaning up, uh, like getting rid of any of the things that obscured what made the graphics look bad in the first place makes them look worse, right? Um, and I don't know. It's there's we have such a nostalgia for pixel art, right? And uh, to the point where the fact that we're seeing it on screens where you know there's there's no longer any like blurring between the pixels, we kind of don't mind. Mm-hmm. We just like like the pixels. Um, but I can't say the same is true for like the low poly look, yeah. right? 
Um, so that's all kind of rough. Uh, so after, after not having a, a super fun time with uh, F-Zero X, I switched on over to Star Fox 64, which I've messed around with a little bit um, on the uh, Nintendo 64 online. And uh, I like played another path through the, through the game, um, got to the uh, the submarine level, which I had forgotten and like uh, just had hadn't played in you know twenty years or whatever. Um, super fun, man! That game is great. I I just think it's the best Star Fox game, um, and uh, yeah, I just had a really great time messing around with it. How did the graphics compare there, is, or is it that like gameplay is enough to you know like continue to enjoy Star Fox 64 or has it just aged better? Well, I think it ages better because the aesthetic is still based on the uh you know Nintendo the Super Nintendo graphics which are this incredibly low poly like you know double digits on the whole screen of you know at, at, at one time um of polygons. So yeah, I, I don't know the the fact that it's like still built on the limitations introduced by the Super FX chip um, I don't know. I like. I just like it, and it, it seems like it works. I've been playing Dr- Dragon Quest Eleven S Echoes of an Elusive Age Definitive Edition for the Nintendo Switch. I have not made a ton of progress. So after I messed around with the post game content in Kirby, I was like, "All right, I gotta get back into this." So I am in Sniffleheim. Sniffleheim, which uh, is an area that both you and a recent guest of the show, Matt Acevedo, you know. We're like, oh, you're getting there. Like, this is exciting. And so I just, minor spoilers for this game. Um, I just found out that there's, like, a witch in, uh, like, the Forbidden Forest. Yes. And so I just went out there and had um, an encounter where I uh, helped out, oh, man, what's his name? From, um, uh Darn it. And he's like he's like the the guy that's pursuing you through the opening of the game. Um it's it it eludes me. But anyways, I just had an encounter with him. Okay. And uh, Is it is it the 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 tall guy with like uh he's like a knight? Yeah. Yeah, I forget his name too. Right. But anyways, <laughs> I I just had an encounter with him. Mm-hmm. Um and that's basically where I'm at. Um, all right, good, 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 good. It's it's not a forgot it's not a forbidden forest, it's a library. Well, no, I j- was just in a forbidden forest, but I'm on my way to the library. Got it, got it, got it, got yeah. it, got it. Um I'm excited for you to experience the library. I'm excited for you to get back to Sniffleheim. I'm excited for all the next steps that follow, Mark. <laughs> uh there's so much great stuff ahead That's of you. That's why I've got to keep pushing through. Cause after yeah. the high of um like the mermaid encounter recently, th- the game takes a little bit of a dip. Where it's just previous, it was it's just, just taking like, this time. It's just taking its right, time. right, and I totally believe it. But um, it was just a little hard to like push through when you had just gone through multiple banger, uh, episodic moments like back to back to back, and so there's a little bit of a breather, harder to want to push through. But I know I've got to continue. Uh, yes, you will, and we will discuss it on this show as we have done. Uh, but Mark, in the meantime. Those, uh, that's what we've been playing this week. Let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. So last week on Wednesday, March 30th, Nintendo released a few new games for the Nintendo Switch Online. On the Super Nintendo, Earthworm Jim 2 was released. And on the NES, Dig Dug 2 and Mathy Land. 
man, we've really reached the like bottom of the barrel here, right? I don't know. I feel like um, which I, one of these do you feel good about? I don't. I I've never, as far as I know, have never played any of them. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. I guess I've come back around to. I don't really mind that they're releasing these weird esoteric stuff. Uh, because I've come to terms with, with the fact that a lot of the heavy hitters that we're still waiting on, like a Chrono Trigger or something like that. Oh, a, just, cr- a Chrono Trigger is never going to Yeah, it's just like not like, going to happen. There isn't a single Square Enix game in any of these collections. Yeah. So like, it's it's not going to start now. So so I'm fine with that. Give us the weird stuff. Give us the weird stuff. Yeah, let us revel in it. Um, Do you plan on playing, trying out any of these games? Not in the near future. I see. I'm right there too. That like, I normally like to just like, you know, dip in and be like, is this something I, I might like? Uh-huh. Um, is this something I can talk about on the show for like five minutes? Um, and you know, star Wars comes out tomorrow. I know like, there's, there's just too much going on. I just wonder if I, uh, I mean, no promises. We haven't talked about this, but this seems like something that'd be good for like a month. Do you know what I mean? For yeah. us to like really like dig into some of these games because I bet there are some hidden gems. Yeah. I'm just completely ignorant to them. Yep. 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 Also, they released a couple of SP versions for the SNES Switch Online. There's an SP version of Super Mario World, which basically you can play the entire game with the special graphics you get after beating the special world. And for Super Punish Out, all of the tournaments are available to you from the beginning. Which I gotta say, it is nice that they like sort of acknowledge, like, hey, all of these games have content that you can't access until you've already like beaten the whole thing, because um, they did it with Mario Kart earlier, um, and uh, there's another one that's uh, that they did something similar, um, and it it just seems even better than kind of doing that with the NES games where it's kind of just like, here you are at the end boss uh, with all the items. Um, it just, it it allows for you to like experience more of the game instead of just the very end. And then like Patrick mentioned on Tuesday, April 5th, Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker saga is released finally. This is very exciting. Very exciting. We finally reached the point where the game is coming out. It is out today. Uh, if you're listening to this the the day that uh, it comes out, um, I'm very excited. Yeah, the reviews have been pretty, pretty good. good. Yeah, uh, it's not entirely clear to me how the game runs on Switch. Didn't see a lot of reviews no, that were Switch specific. I did see one on Nintendo Life that said that you know it obviously doesn't hold up to some of the other systems, but that it performs fine. Um, but still going to wait probably a little bit to see what the overall general impressions from people are before. Uh, picking it up on Switch, but very excited for this. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I also have a, a PlayStation 5. I could play it there. But uh, let me tell you, there's only one of these systems I have more than one controller for, <laughs> and it's the Switch. So that's where I'm going to – That's I'm absolutely going to play it there. Also released today, MLB The Show 22. Uh, maybe not worth a call-out, except uh, I'm in love with that coach puppet that just uh yeah that's right to me appeared out of nowhere uh and again that should really be rusty from rusty's real deal baseball or there needs to be a crossover between the two and that would uh delight us either way i think the thing that is worth noting here is that this is formerly a uh, playstation exclusive game it is developed by a playstation first party studio um and the game is uh, on all platforms basically this year that's right and it will be on all platforms presumably going forward which means just because we didn't get the rusty's real deal be- baseball uh cross coach right it's, out, that we it's were out, hoping out there for. it's out yeah, there. It, yeah it feels inevitable 
Uh, on Thursday, April 7th, Chrono Cross the Radical Dreamers edition is released. It's just the week of hits. It is. I'm so excited about this. I've never played the Radical Dreamers um, and uh, I absolutely love the original Chrono Cross, a, a deeply flawed, deeply weird, wonderful game uh, with 45 playable characters and a, a branching story path that like just goes on and on forever. Um, I'm just I I could not be more excited about this game coming out. I've never played it either. I I don't know what I'm going to do. I still need to make progress in Dragon Quest Eleven S. Yes, you do. Definitive edition for the Nintendo Switch because if I don't, I know that it's so easy to just put one of those games down and not come back to it. Right. But that plus Lego plus Chrono Cross, I don't know. It's a it's a fine time to be alive. Mark, I'm going to say something. I'm going to say that you are approaching uh, an inflection point in Dragon Quest XI. Okay, As I'm listening. Listen, age definitive edition for the Nintendo Switch, where you may feel it appropriate to step aw- to give yourself space from the game for a little bit. Interesting. That w- this has me worried. Where you need a little like emotional distance. Uh-huh, because somebody I really like is about to get like... Um... I'm not going to say somebody. <laughs> This feels even worse. <laughs> All right. Well, I've, I at least have to hit that point. Then. Yeah. Get 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 to that point at least. You'll know it when it happens. Because <laughs> I'll be calling you crying. Yep, that's right. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm bracing myself for it already. Thinking of my favorites. Uh, I'm already starting to like emotionally distance from them. Think of their flaws. No, so no, they... no, 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 no. <laughs> Keep your heart open to them, Mark. <laughs> and then also on April 7th, the House of the Dead remake is released on Switch. Uh, Switch. Uh, what a weird thing. Uh, House of the Dead, a light gun game. Can't play it with a light gun. Uh, those don't exist anymore. Um, yeah. It, it, Mark, do you have any experience with the House of the Dead games? Only just like, uh, you know, being in arcades and pumping a few quarters into them never like really um the lore of the series eludes me (laughs) i think that's good i think you're a better man for not knowing the lore of house of the dead um man we should go to an arcade and just like play through house of the dead yeah that would be sound like fun there was a uh uh you mentioned that you know like gun games don't exist but on the wii wasn't there like a brand new house of the dead game so kind of that's not actually a light gun game is the thing oh well none of these are but i'm saying like the you know this uh remake i I don't know it just feels like um it's been around for this not yeah sure it's been around for a while that yeah, yeah This modern house, the dead, has been around for a while. Yeah, and I mean, I that for me, that's that's the real difference, right? And I'm sure that the House of the Dead remake will be a lot more like the uh, the the Wii um, like gun games, like the Resident Evil games, or like Dead Space uh, Extraction, um, where you're basically using the Wii remote as a, as a pointer. I'm sure that's exactly what this game controls like, um, but like, there's nothing quite like the uh, elegance of a light gun that's just you pull the trigger it makes the whole screen change and then it reads if you're on the the right color or not um and it's just so fast and it feels like actually pointing and aiming a a, a, a weapon of some kind uh, instead of like you know using a mouse to click on stuff so uh, what is your experience with the house of the dead like are you interested in this uh i mean for the reason i just described that it's going to be more like a point and click kind of thing i'm not interested uh, I just long for the days of like some fast, fun light gun action. I wish I could play the original Duck Hunt as it was. Man, 
that's that's reason enough to get an NES uh, a zapper and like an old TV. That that's really interesting to me. I totally appreciate that, but I don't feel that way at all. Like I don't really. Uh, to me, there's not much difference experience-wise with, like, the modern takes on them versus, Whoa. like, having an actual light gun. Uh, somehow, I don't know how, Mark, but we have to set something up where we have the two side-by-side. Side. Yeah, maybe it's just been so long that uh, I'm just so used to not light guns not existing Yeah, that I've become, become numb to the, uh, like, I've forgotten... The simple pleasure of a light gun game. I mean, it probably has been 20 years since you played a, a real light gun game. So um, it's just weird. It's something that they've never solved for, right? Like, and maybe maybe you're right and it's not a big deal. <laughs> uh, all right. Those are the new releases. Let's close this segment out. Which brings us to a regular segment on our show. It is time. For 433, in 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or group of performers didn't play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one performance of 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Mark, please introduce the topic. Today, we are going to be... Going through a list of common vegetables. Common vegetables. And first we will um, declare whether we know it or not. Grapes, watermelon, (laughs) bananas. No. What? I'm sorry to tell you. That's a list of common fruits. Oh, no. So we're going to say uh, I will. I have a list here of 86 vegetables. Okay. Which I pulled from like fruitsandvegetables.com. And then I also have a random number generator. I'm going to generate a number. Mm-hmm. I will then read the vegetable from the list. Patrick and I will uh, each declare whether we know what this vegetable is or not. And then if we do, we will give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Apple. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> this is going to be a rough okay, all right. 433, possibly. No, I feel good. I feel good. Let's okay. okay. All right. Starting with number five, bamboo shoots. Yeah, I'm familiar with bamboo I'm bam- shoots. I'm also familiar with bamboo shoots. Um, tasty? I don't, I do not Mark like the not texture. Okay. I don't like the texture. I don't like if you're like digging around in a hot pot or something mm-hmm. and then you get a bamboo shoot and it looks like uh, like a giant spider leg. No, thank you. Yeah, I guess the spider leg quality is unappealing. But, you know, just like most of these vegetables, you like get it heated up in enough oil and you put some <laughs> garlic on it. Like I'm going to enjoy it. I'm, I'm, I'm voting nay. I'm voting thumbs down. I'm going to vote yay. All right. Thumbs up. <laughs> uh, num- next is number three. 30. Mm-hmm. Uh, edamame. Ooh, edamame. I know what edamame is. So do I. Okay. Big thumbs up. Big thumbs edamame. up for edamame. Edamame. For um, but not because of its flavor, but because of the ritual of eating it. Yes. Uh, and if you ever encounter like frozen edamame where it's not in the shell, like forget it. There's no point. Don't yeah. eat it that way. Um, my niece uh, really liked edamame when she was little um, and had it so much like as a tiny child um that the first time she was served green beans she split them open and like got the little beans out from inside <laughs> that's so fun and you could do that those tiny you little could, beans tiny little like beans. you're in a mickey mouse con- cartoon yep, in your hobo right. cutting it in half uh-huh. yeah. all right uh next number 46 kale now i'm gonna throw a loop here they have three different kind of kale Whoa. listed curly uh-huh uh, Mo and <laughs> Shemp. 
Lacinato, Lacinato, L-A-C-I-N-A-T-O, and then ornamental. Ornamental? That's kale you're not supposed to eat? (laughs) Just for looks. Mm. Uh, Generally speaking, I like kale, um, and I like... I especially like putting it in smoothies. Oh. Um, it is a thing that uh, I can either go, I have to have either spinach or kale in a smoothie. I can also do both. Um, but there's something about like the earthiness of it that makes me feel like I'm being a healthy boy. They're, defi- they're definitely, I 100% agree, is like an earthy mm-hmm. health quality to it. I'm going thumbs down on kale. Thumbs up for do me. Do not care for kale. I do not care for this trend of, um, you know, you go to like a place, you just want a hamburger, and they're like, oh, well, we don't do iceberg lettuce, but we have kale. It's like, I don't know. That that doesn't make sense on a hamburger. You should never do that. Um, like, geez, we made it through three vegetables. <laughs> uh, all right. We were accompanied today by the EBU, your radio orchestra. Uh, Mark, let's get into the news. That's not. This, we're doing into the news. <laughs> the sequel to The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild has been delayed to spring 2023. In a video posted by Nintendo last week, series producer Eiji Aonuma apologized for the delay. Yep. Um, th- this is the... Uh, Mark, I forget... Uh, as we were leading up, as we were, uh, you know, mapping out this year and being mm-hmm. like, here's what we have to play from Nintendo. Um, what stance did you and I take on whether Breath of the Wild 2 was going to come out or not? That's such a good question. I don't remember. I think that I probably said that I that it was going to come out in 2022. I think I probably said the same. I think I was like, yeah, it'll come out. Um, but... Least surprising news in the world that yeah. it's not coming out this year. Totally. Zelda games are notoriously delayed. Um, and uh, 2020 was, or 2022 was the first time that we ever had anything even resembling a release window for it. So, yeah, this is one delay. Uh, I would even say maybe expect another. Spring 2023 <laughs> is a long time from now, but, it, like, maybe it comes out in the summer. I, like, I know. Knows? No, I completely agree. It is kind of... Uh, wild that it's been six years yeah. since the original Breath of the Wild was released, and it'll be probably around seven years since when the game is actually released, if it comes out in spring 2023. One of the things that was kind of floating around online, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it, there is speculation that, you know, this is now timed to... A new switch, a more yeah. powerful yeah. switch. Based, you know, we've we've heard this song before about more powerful switch hardware. Um, now, I think you're on the record for saying that a like switch successor is not due until 2025. 2025. That's right. I think it'll be earlier than that. But does I, spring 2023 line up with that? Yeah, I don't really know. I mean, maybe. It, it's it's also hard to know. I don't. I don't really want to get into talking about a the Switch successor all that much because right. it's like, well, what does it mean? Is it still the Nintendo Switch with a little more powerful, right. or is it like a whole new console mm-hmm. that they're like, you know, re- launching like it's an entirely new generation? Right, and uh, but like it's an interesting data point, and will probably become a relevant data point as we talk about the Switch and Nintendo in the future. But I I f- still feel like this 
Breath of the Wild 2 is not part of that calculus. I think they have this game that they've been working on, uh, and it's just going to come out when it's ready. Do you think that, and we're just about to get into it, that, you know, E3 being completely canceled, but do you think that if Nintendo has a June show, um, like even if it's just a direct, that Breath of the Wild, sequel to Breath of the Wild will still feature heavily because that's very similar what happened yeah. in you know 2016 is Breath of the Wild was delayed until you know the until March of 2017 but it was still the main feature of E3 that year of 2016 and, and at that point just as the Wii U version of it yeah um i i guess that is possible but i mean i, I know that one of the things that was so like impactful and like big about the way they were showing off Breath of the Wild at, at, like on the E3 show floor was that it was just the the Great Plateau and they just let people play the game for 20 minutes. It was just, or however long. Right. Um, and so like it was, you know, embracing the spirit of the game of like, do this however you want. Experience our like uh, sample version of the game however you want. Um, and if there's no way for people to actually play it in person at an E3-like event... Um, and I guess just because it wouldn't be at E3 doesn't mean that they don't go to some other kind of event. Um, but like, I don't really know what that is at this point. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I don't know. I, my, my guess is that we, whatever they do, uh, over the summer, um, will be about the other games in the pipeline for this year. And we will get a deep dive into Breath of the Wild 2 in September. That's such a good point. I'd forgotten about the hands-on hands-on you know at like e3 and all the yeah. discussion coming out of it and, and you know now that we have the original breath of the wild maybe it wouldn't be as necessary but yeah, it does feel point. like it would that letting people actually like experience it is a big part of um showing off these games so. yeah well because i think there's going to be a lot of like obviously people are excited for breath of the wild but i feel like there's going to be some kind of like built-in skepticism, right? That like whatever they're doing now isn't going to be as fun or special or unique as the original game. And kind of defin defin definitionally, it won't be, right? Um, but if they have some other hook that is fun to experience, they need to have uh, people experiencing it to uh, spread the word about what it does. We also got uh, in this announcement there's a precious few seconds of new footage maybe just, like 10 seconds it's so it's such just a tiny little bit of footage but we did get a, a look at link his you know kind of like messed up arm and a seemingly corrupted master sword which is um this is the first time in any sequel of breath of the wild trailer or footage that we've actually seen link I mean, I guess we we've always seen we've, him. Now we, we know we've always seen him. Yeah, yeah. but we wasn't, weren't sure. Like he looked different. He had like longer hair. We weren't exactly sure what the deal was. Probably no surprise that it is Link, and you're not playing as like another character. Right. But this is the first time we've actually gotten that uh, visual confirmation, uh, which is exciting. It's cool to see the corrupted Master Sword. Like that has me, especially uh, after having just played um, Skyward Sword uh, and knowing sort of like there's like the personifications of these weapons and like Girahim kind of becomes the sword at one point, or at least a sword is pulled out of him. Mm -hmm. um, 
And so, like, I don't know, it, it may it like alights my brain with like little theories about what could be happening here. Yeah, I saw I saw on Twitter people uh, posting a screenshot from a cutscene from I think the uh, the original Breath of the Wild, where you're looking at like a um, it's when somebody's telling a story, maybe at the very beginning of the game, and there's like almost like a tapestry yeah. type thing, and it has a link, you know, with like a corrupted. Um, wearing almost like a toga type thing with a little corrupted master sword. Mm. And so there's uh, speculation anyways that it's a sequel to Breath of the Wild, but not like necessarily in time with Breath of the Wild. Or maybe these time travel elements that we've seen introduced in, you know, Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity or something like that. Or even Skyward Sword itself. Yeah, Yeah, play some sort of role in the sequel to Breath of the Wild. Yeah, I mean, basically, we didn't get any new information, but like, it's it, it's it's a lot of like uh, speculation fuel. It's enough to sustain the machine. Yes, uh, at least until the end of this segment. <laughs> <laughs> so we also learned last week that there will be no E three, no E three kind, none in twenty twenty two. Earlier this year, the ESA announced that there would be a no in person event, but at the time they were, you know saying that they were hopeful for a digital event in 2022. And, and I mean, I believe their language was that they were hopeful about the future of E3. Mm-hmm. Even more nebulous. Yes. Uh, but this week's news confirms that there will be like no digital event, nothing this year. In a follow-up statement to IGN, the ESA made it sound like the event's not like completely dead yet, or at least they're not willing to say that right now. The statement goes, quote, we will devote all our energy and resources to delivering a revitalized physical and digital E3 experience next summer. Whether enjoyed from the show floor or your favorite devices, the 2023 showcase will bring the community, media, and industry back together in an all-new format and interactive experience. We look forward to presenting E3 to fans around the world live from Los Angeles in 2023. I will believe it when I see it. This feels like the death knell for uh, E3. It truly does. I completely agree. And it brings me no joy to, to, to say that. I like going to E3. I think it's fun. I like it even when I don't go. Um, like just having all of that uh, energy and attention focused on what games are coming out and conferences and uh, always a banger Nintendo Direct like that's fun, right? Like you can you can you can set your expectations to cool stuff is going to happen and it happens every year until there is no E3. Uh, and I feel like that's just where we are now. Uh on the heels of this announcement, Jeff Keighley announced that Summer Games Fest, his month-long collection of showcases, trailers, and announcements will be returning this year. Um, I think previously it was kind of like a three month long type thing. Yeah, I think it still is a a multi month. I don't think so. My understanding from mm. his announcement is this year it is just taking place in the month of June. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, to try to I think you know like recapture some of that energy of E three. You know, we had EA Play Live also be canceled for this year. So uh, I don't know. In previous years, like the. Summer Games Fest didn't make any impact on me, I think just because it was so spread out. But um, it'll be interesting to see what it looks like as it evolves in the future. Yeah, so spread out and, like, there were things that were included in it that, like, didn't feel like anything. 
You know what I mean? Right. Like, uh, announcements or trailers and stuff where it's just like, okay, I don't, I don't, I don't know what this is. How like, is this any just... different from just any other day on Twitter? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Mario Kart producer Kos- Kosuke Yabuki recently gave an interview to Nikkei about the design philosophy behind the Booster Course Pass DLC from Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. And there are some cool insights here. Uh, quote, the word remaster might sound cheap, but we're confident that we will create new and unique experiences that are different to how tracks were originally. We had to make all sorts of adjustments, as it wasn't enough to simply leave the tracks as they were. The Game Boy Advance track, Sky Garden, released in 2001, was originally a flat plane, but we added some verticality to the Mario Kart 8 Deluxe version. Players are not going to have their own memories, are going to have their own memories with each course, so we were careful not to change them too much. The discussion of intellectual property often happens around characters, but courses also belong in that conversation. We want to honor players' memories while also polishing the allure of each course as IP. Uh, which is fascinating. Um, I, I really like the idea of uh, courses as IP um, or as like the the bit of nostalgia is the place and not just the character, um, which I, is kind of... Uh, I don't know, feels like bold, right? feels like inventive and like the front of... Because characters are everything when it comes to uh, nostalgia. Um, and it's just neat to see them like approaching it from a different uh, perspective. This also addresses one of my like kind of complaints about the uh, booster course pass pack, whatever it is, um, that they didn't make a ton of improvements to the older uh, courses. They do look nicer, of course, but they don't have like new features they don't have the same sort of like redux quality that the uh classic tracks do um that came with um eight in the first place uh and i think just knowing that they're coming at it from this perspective of like really trying to honor what was there originally as the sacred ip um makes me understand it more yeah and i think do i wonder if that is something that changed from you know so many at this point many years ago when mario kart 8 originally launched when it had you know some of these classic courses but with more of the mario kart 8 you know like uh gimmicks to it yeah well i mean to now where they seem very much like deciding no we're actually not going to take that approach yeah well i mean i i think i think it is like just different philosophically right that like when they were making the the classic tracks uh, for the game originally that they were like taking inspiration from the original tracks and like turning them into eight tracks. Um, and this is really more just like the nostalgia play of like, here is the track you remember. Yeah. I, and I, I agree. I just think it's so fascinating that it's been so long. It's since been the, 10 years. That's the yeah. original game released to now yeah. that like they can have that. There's enough time for them to have that philosophical switch. Yeah, and it's uh, it, it's it's interesting, right? Because like, there's uh, an element of like the Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, like everyone is here kind of philosophy at play, um, and you know, uh, sh- they like rebalance or like update characters like Pichu or whatever. But like at its heart, the Pichu is still Pichu. Um, Snake is still Snake, um, which is all like kind of cool that they didn't reinvent them. Or didn't like Snake especially like that character has been through many different permutations since he first appeared in Super Smash Brothers. Um, they could have changed the character entirely. They could have made him a uh, you know big boss or whatever, um, but they didn't. Uh, they they kept them sort of. Uh, that's again the IP as character versus the IP as course. 
Um, it's just a, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a neat perspective. I like it a lot. Continuing quotes from Yabuki, quote, former Nintendo president's Sartura Iwata often mentioned the phrase from five to 95 years old. The ultimate goal is something that anyone can enjoy. Steering assist and other systems that make it easier to bring in new players get us closer to that goal one step at a time. Former developers often told us that Mario Kart is a competitive communication tool. We'll always cherish the meaning behind that phrase. Mario Kart is a competitive communication tool. That's so cool. I love that so much. Yeah, that's such an interesting perspective on like the purpose of Mario Kart. Yeah, that like it is a tool that allows you to communicate competition with other people and like that for me that's what mario kart is at its best is uh you doing some sort of competition with the other people in the room playing the game um it's so smart it's so fun i i think this interview has a a lot of fun stuff in it a few weeks ago we talked about nintendo adding new my nintendo rewards challenges and you know like uh rewards to the nintendo switch online app on the switch Rewards include, or maybe at this point are exclusive to, new profile icons that can be customized with borders and backgrounds, which are also rewards. So you can um, spend Platinum Coins to redeem these individually and then combine them together to make a new uh, icon for your account. For April, Nintendo has added new profile icon rewards for Splatoon 2. And Animal Crossing villagers who have birthdays in April. Okay, now hold on a minute. Does this mean that we're going to get through the whole year and do all every Animal Crossing character? Yeah, maybe. Oh, my God. It seems like icons uh, get added or swapped out every week. It's, it's pretty regularly. And they show you when you're um, like building one of your icons how long something is going to be available for, like to, to purchase. Once you purchase it, it doesn't go away. Um but yeah, it's uh, it's it's inter- this feels very Nintendo Badge Arcade to me. Nintendo also released Switch Software version fourteen point one point zero, which includes notifications when you have unclaimed platinum points. So on the Nintendo Switch Online app on your Switch, you know there are little missions that you can do, like play the original Super Mario Brothers as part, you know, as part of NES Switch Online, or play a game that has online multiplayer. And when you do those things, you can get platinum points. But there's probably a lot of people who, just in the course of their regular play, are earning these platinum points, but yeah. not don't even know to go claim them, don't even know that this is a thing, because discoverability is not great. And so with 14.1.0, Nintendo will send you notifications when you have unclaimed platinum points. When you did something, but you have to go into the app to actually like claim them. Here's the thing. Why does that notification not just earn you those platinum points? If you've already <laughs> done the thing, why does it make you interact with the thing to like get the points? I think they want you. It's like a. I my guess is that it's like a learn in behavior type thing where it's not sure. just like it's not just the reward of the platinum points, but it's like for a lot of people, it's probably like I didn't even know platinum points were a thing. Sure. Let yeah, me yeah. go dig into this more and see. And, like, learn more about this system. I think it's, like, an education tool for a lot of people. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it. The I think that maybe the weirdest part about it is just that, like, the platinum points as an economy is so strange. It is, like, yeah. Like, the rewards, I mean, they have a lot of these digital rewards now, which I think is cool. And I wish they would do more stuff like this. Um, 
but like there are also the physical rewards which are like i don't know once every like four months or something we see something that's kind of cool but nothing really on par with like the old like club nintendo stuff um no like weird old cds in the shape of yoshi's head to you know for the soundtrack to uh yoshi's island or whatever um yeah it just it it feels like a a program that's sort of like trapped between the cool past and a sort of lame future um and i just don't know where it nets out yeah i don't really know either i mean i agree that club nintendo which at this point is was like 20 years ago oh my god was uh was a better program or at least had like better rewards but i feel like incrementally this uh, my nintendo program has gotten better and i yeah i feel like this integration between the website and uh the, the fact that this stuff is living on Nintendo Switch at all and has missions on your Nintendo Switch is such a – it's a baby step, all things considered, but such like a huge baby step because it is – it's pretty crazy when you think about it that my Nintendo has just existed as a web interface yeah, forever. Yeah, like yes. it has never had presence on like a Nintendo system before. And so the fact that they are integrating it slowly, maybe clumsily onto the Nintendo Switch is I think a very positive – sign for this program yeah it makes me wish that they would you know in in the way that uh playstation and uh, xbox have trophies and achievements that just like platinum points were awarded for any manner of accomplishment in games Mm -hmm. um because then i don't know there's just that little bit of like connective tissue between games or sort of like the meta game adds value um and like the Wii U sort of did this with um, the stickers uh, or stamps, whatever they were, um, where you could collect them in one game and then use them in uh, like Miiverse posts um, or, you know, in like Splatoon where you would uh, make those little things. Um, or even in uh, like Super Mario 3D World where you could like leave little notes for other players um, and use the stamps that you earned either in that game or in other games. Um it just, I, I, I like that sort of connective tissue. I do too. And hopefully this is like baby steps to a larger yeah. program. Because again, right now, if you're not a subscriber to Nintendo Switch Online, if you aren't paying that premium, then this is kind of off limits oh, yeah, to good you. Point. Right? Like you, it is still at that point, my Nintendo is just a web interface to you. There is no uh, app or Switch application. But uh, I, I think that makes total sense, right? That they could reward you for doing lots of other things. But so this feels like a positive step in the right direction, but it remains to be seen, you know, what their long-term product roadmap is. Yeah. I would guess like most of these sort of Nintendo uh, initiatives that it just kind of fizzles away into nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they seem at the moment fairly committed to my Nintendo, Yeah, you know, as a program, but the fact that it's taken so long to get to this stage you know, who knows how long it would take yeah. to um, go much further. Finally, at Sunday night's Grammys, Charlie Rosen and Jake Silverman won a Grammy for the best arrangement, instrumental, or acapella for their arrangement of Meta Knight's Revenge from the 1996 Kirby Superstar um, for their album, The 8-Bit Big Band featuring Button Masher. Um, so this is one of those uh, big bands that uh, does arrangements of video game tunes. Uh, and I thought we would listen to a little bit of it. And, and beyond the like two seconds that I played earlier.
it's interesting. It's uh, a fairly straightforward big band arrangement. Um, the performances are good, and there are like solos in here later that like really kick. But like, I don't know. I guess I don't know anything about the Grammys. <laughs> yeah, I don't know anything about the Grammys either. I will say that I'm counting this towards Kirby's Egon. Yes, that's right. And, um, and I personally am determined to see him EGOT before Lin-Manuel Miranda does. Uh, well, Lin-Manuel Miranda did not win an Oscar uh, at this last year's Academy Awards, even though he was nominated, uh, right, for the song Encanto. from Encanto. Um, so, I mean, there we go. It's uh, it, the, he, he gets knocked down a peg and Kirby uh, knocked up a peg. Yeah, Kirby has at least one year to earn an Emmy, a Oscar, and a Tony. And look... We are in a world where we will see a Kirby movie before the end of the decade. I guarantee you that. Um, and, you know, there already has been a Kirby uh, anime. I didn't win an Emmy. No, but please, if anybody's out there is yes. listening, let Patrick and I write. For your consideration. <laughs> write the, uh, the play, the Broadway play for right. Kirby, so that way he's eligible for a Tony. The Tony is going to be the hardest one. I think that's uh, I think that's all there is to it. Um, all right, Mark, let's get out of the news. Okay, that's going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like this episode, you can share it on Facebook or on Twitter or on Instagram or on TikTok. Or on WhatsApp. Or on... Are there other ones? Not that I know of. Okay. All right. I think I named all the platforms. Share the, share them on all the platforms. Uh, on Twitter, you can follow us. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Nin Cart Society. We also have a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo, and our theme music is provided by Ape Betty. You can get more of Ape Betty's music by going to apebetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying thank you for listening. Have you ever encountered an unexplained hairy bipedal hominid in the woods? Have you received telepathic messages from an unidentified aerial phenomenon? If so, then you need to listen to Bigfoot Collectors Club. I'm Michael McMillan. And I'm Bryce Johnson. And together with super producer... Riley Bray. We make up the Bigfoot Collectors Club. That's right. Every week we talk to actors, comedians, writers, and paranormal experts about their personal paranormal histories and share stories of high strangeness. Like the time when we talked to Craig Ferguson about the Loch Ness Monster and when a sea witch told him he had raven magic. Or the time I asked Pitch Perfect's Anna Camp her opinion on cattle mutilations. Past guests have included Rachel Bloom, Jen Kirkman, Paul F. Tompkins, Bobcat Goldthwait, and more. So if you've ever been abducted alongside five reindeer by an alien with drills for hands, or witnessed Bigfoot crawl out of an interdimensional portal, don't laugh, happens all the time. Then check out Bigfoot Collectors Club on Campfire Media or wherever you get your podcasts. Bigfoot, Bigfoot Collectors Club, you're, you're here to, to believe, believe us. Wait, is that how it goes? Campfire.